Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, it's great to see you all again this morning. And um, amen, we had a great last opening night last night. And um, can I see by a show of hands who was not here last night? Don't worry, this is not an attack or an assault on anybody. <laughs> I just kind of want to see who, was, who made it and who didn't. Okay, well, I advise that you go and listen to last night's message because, you know, it sort of ties in a little bit to this morning. And, um, you know, I really have a mandate on what to do this weekend from the Lord. And so this morning, I'm going to kind of be going into a topic that I feel is really important right now for the church. And unfortunately, many Christians never hear what I'll be talking about this morning. So if you're newer to Oceans, this will be very new for you. For those of you that have been here a long time, you know, this is who we are. So I want to share with you this this morning, but we're going to start by going to our main scripture from last night. Is everybody okay this morning? <laughs> Amen. Every service will be different, and I'm looking forward to tonight. Tonight will be a shorter word, I think, <laughs> and we'll see what the Lord does. And then tomorrow night we have a very special worship, communion, and then anointing service. So come out for that. I think that'll be really great. So let's go to Ephesians chapter number one, verse number 15. I'll just read real quickly from some of the texts from last night, and then we'll come back to this later on in this, the morning's message. Today's message is entitled, The Authority of the Believer. The Authority of the Believer. I believe with all of my heart that Satan... The devil does not want you to know the authority that you have been given as a Christian in your life and also to help set others free as well. God is a God of love and he wants people to be free. He wants them to walk in liberty and freedom and he wants them to have an abundant life. That abundant life is not just money. <laughs> that abundant life is a successful walk with him. To walk in his love and his authority and his power and to see him manifest his will through your life. That's what he desires for each and every one of us. So we saw last night from the text that Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus and um, you know, if there's one book in Scripture that you could almost call the warrior's book, it would be the book of Ephesians. Just no question about that. It's like the warrior's handbook. The Christian warrior's handbook is the book of Ephesians. So he says to the church in, in Ephesus, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. So he's talking to a church that, that, that he's proud of, that he's, he's, he's heard good, a good report about the way that they love the body of Christ. And he's, he's, he's addressing them and saying, listen, I give thanks for what's going on over there. And then he says this, making mention of you in my prayers. 
So he says, but I, but I make mention of you in my prayers, and, and he's going to tell them what it is that he prays for them about. What is it that he's praying for? He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, he, he wants you to know exactly who he's talking about. He says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And it's amazing because so many of the writers, when they talk about the Father, they talk about him in the most amazing ways. He's the Father of glory. And he says that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the word revelation really means to take the, the lid off. So basically that what you couldn't see before is now being uncovered. So it says the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But he wants you to have this for something specific. He says that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of God. So he's asking the Lord, he says, Lord, will you grant them, will you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are? Because the truth is, is that so many of us walk around as Christians with blinkers on. Like we don't see who God really is. We don't really know him. And I want you to know that he is the one who reveals himself to us. But it's important that we make him our heart's desire because he's clear in scripture that if we seek, we'll find. If we ask, we'll receive. If we knock, the door will be opened. But if we don't do that, nothing will happen. But Paul is saying, Lord, will you give them more? Will you show them who you are? Because Paul knows that if they begin to see the Father the way that he can see them or the way that the Father has revealed himself to Paul, that it would cause them to be completely different. It would totally change them. And then he says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul and he wants your inner man to be enlightened. He wants your inner man's eyes to go open so that you would begin to see the purposes and the plans and the things that God has for you. But note this, before he talks about what God has for you, he says, the first thing I want is that he would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And then he says, he says this, that you may know what the hope of his calling is, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So that as you begin to seek the Lord, he will begin to reveal to you exactly who you are and why you were created and what you are doing on the earth. That's God's plan. Listen, outside of him, you are like walking around not knowing where you're going. But when you serve God and you see God, and he fills you with his light. His light shines a lamp unto your feet and begins to show you exactly the direction that you're supposed to go. Listen, you will never find out who you are 
until you find out who he is. So if you don't know who you are, you will always struggle with who he is. Is that okay? You first must find out exactly, you must seek the Lord with all of your heart, and then he will begin to reveal to you the purposes and the plans that he has for you. That's why so many people always walk around, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what, you know, what's, what's the purpose of my life? In the world, what's the purpose of my life? They do all kinds of stuff, they, they, they do all this stuff, but still they're not happy. Still they find that they haven't really found their purpose. I'd say most people walk around like that. The reason why is because they haven't found the reason why they were created. They haven't yet discovered it. Why? Because they haven't found out yet who he is. But once he reveals himself to you, then he will begin to reveal your purpose to you. But you will never understand that until your spiritual eyes have gone open. We'll talk more about that. Now, I, I can't preach last night's message again. <laughs> so please go listen to it before you come tonight. That's a lot of church in one day, three sermons, you know. But you can do it. I believe it. Amen. So let's leave Ephesians. We'll come back to it a little bit later on. Last night I shared with you about how God... His word fills you with light. But the Bible tells us about if that light is darkness and not really light, but we think it's light, how great is that darkness? And so anything that opposes the will and the word of God simply is not light, regardless of how we think or feel about it. But you must understand that the enemy will do everything he can to stop that light from being in you and from shining through you. Now remember, in the natural, if I look at you and don't know you, I probably will not be able to tell whether there's light in you. Can we all agree on that? But if my spiritual eyes were completely open, I would be able to see that light in you easily. And we can talk about how some people can see a little, but that's not important this morning. What I want you to understand is in the realm of the spirit, if there's light in you, trust me, the enemy knows. He can see it. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number five, verse number eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary is your enemy. He's your enemy. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There are individuals who he is seeking, and there are some that he may devour. That's not good news. It's very quiet and very beef. No amens for that. That's okay. It's what the Bible says. He is seeking whom he may devour. So what is it that would give the enemy an opportunity to attack or infiltrate a believer's life? Not the world, because they are already the sons of disobedience, and he's already working in them. But you're a Christian. You have been separated. So he will do everything he can to attack you. 
oh, I want to just move ahead, but let's just go to Romans 6.16. Romans 6.16. It's different to this last night. Don't worry. Amen. <laughs> Romans 6.16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves a slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. We can stop there. The fact is, is that you will become a slave to the person or to the thing that you obey in your life. You see, when we make Jesus Christ our Savior, we not only make him our Savior, but we also make him our Lord. And a Lord is someone that you have to surrender to. A Lord is someone that you have to obey his will. If he makes the laws, you have to obey them because he's Lord. Is that right? But if you don't obey his laws, you choose to obey the laws of somebody else, you become a slave or a servant of that one. You must understand the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is the nature of the enemy. If you become a slave to sin, listen to me, I didn't say if you sin, you will all sin. If you become a slave to sin and allow that to, to be in your life and you begin to say, well, you know, this is just the way it is. I'm just gonna carry on with this. There's no desire to change. I'm not gonna change anything. You become a slave to that. You become literally a slave to that. A house cannot stand divided against itself. It will fall. In other words, you can't serve two masters. You will have to pick one. That's why so many believers walk around double-minded, no authority, no power, and all they do is talk rubbish. They talk rubbish. Everything is, well, I don't think, or I don't believe. Well, I don't care what you think, and I don't care what you believe. What I wanna know is what does the Bible say? What does his word say? Well, you know, I don't believe this or I don't believe that. It doesn't matter. You're double-minded. You have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You have to be sold out to one. One can be your Lord. Listen, I'm not saying you won't make mistakes. You will make mistakes because the nature that you have, unfortunately, is one that is still being changed. And unfortunately, that pulling of the flesh is always there and very strong. That's why when a Christian makes a mistake, repentance is the most amazing gift that we have. And some people want to teach that we shouldn't repent anymore. Man, you can be ugly and do something about it, but stupid is forever. <laughs> when you mess up as a believer, the Bible tells us repent and get up. You have, you have one that's taken your place. He's forgiven your sins. There's an advocate for you. You can get up and carry on and run your race. You don't have to stay in that place. 
But listen, repentance is not just crying and weeping. I've taught you this. It means that now you're going to move away from it. Or at the very least, that thing that you're struggling with, must be, it must be obvious that, it's a, that, that, you, that you absolutely don't, you despise it, you don't want it. You, you, it's, it's a battle that you have. But when it becomes acceptable and it becomes part of you and you just, oh, well, you know, this, it becomes your master. And that master will affect the light that is in you. Is that okay, guys? All right. (laughs) The thing is, though, is that it's not just sin that enslaves us. Yes, it does. It's our will. It's all kinds of different things. But the one area where the enemy really wants to attack you is with your words. You see, Psalm 141 verse number three says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The enemy will do anything in his power to use the very thing that God has given you to give life, to speak life, to speak hope, to speak purpose, to speak destiny, to speak goodness, everything that God has given you, this thing here, you can speak, listen, if you read the Psalms, David speaks to his soul. He says, oh my soul. He speaks to his soul, what's wrong with you? He speaks to his soul, come on, you gotta get up and praise the Lord. He speaks even to himself. He uses his mouth to speak life to his inner man because his inner man's not feeling so good right now. That happens to you guys, never to me. But he does, you know, he's speaking to his inner man. And how much more when we speak about others? We speak all kinds of death. We speak all kinds of evil. We speak against them. We criticize. We're critical. And I want you to know that when you do that, it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's a, it's a horrible thing. When people come and they oh, you know, this one says this and that one says this. And you now you're hearing what they're saying and you think, oh man, it's terrible. And, you know, and then you start thinking, oh gee whiz, you know. That's why you mustn't worry about what anybody says. That's why the word of God is so important because it's what he says that's more important than what anybody else says. But don't use your lips, don't use your mouth to speak death when God has given you a mouth to speak life and he's given you authority and to use your mouth for his authority. The vision of this church is to bring the fire of God by teaching and demonstrating his love and power. That means that we should, when we speak, we should speak words of life. Listen, that doesn't mean I don't get angry with my wife sometimes and have a fight with her. Listen, she's not perfect like me, you know? So every now and then she misbehaves. And then, you know, I get upset. But let me tell you something, even when I'm upset, I do my very best to be so cautious of what comes out of my mouth. In the times gone by, there were some bad ones, you know. But as you grow closer to God, 
and you know that there's that light in you and if you're gonna start spewing all kinds of evil and start cursing and F-bombs and all the stuff begins to pour out of you, how can there be light in you? Oh, I stood on some toes right now. But it's the truth. Where there's a bee, there's a beehive. There's always a root. Well, you know, I, you know she, she, she made me so mad. You know, and I just couldn't control myself. Why? Why couldn't you control yourself? I understand. There's a problem. Deal with that problem. Find out what that problem is and get healed from that problem. But don't continue in your walk forever and stay in that and go to that place of darkness every time. Is that okay, guys? Listen, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. But we need to really be cautious because I'm going to teach you such a powerful principle in just a moment about what God wants you to do with your mouth when it comes to the enemy. But what must he think of us when we're trying to deal with him and at the same time speaking all kinds of evil the very next minute? It will affect your authority. I'm going to say that again. It will affect your authority. It's not me. That's Mike is doing all kinds of things. <laughs> Amen. Can you all hear me okay? All right. So when the enemy attacks us, or we have these thoughts, or all of this comes to us, what are we supposed to do? The Bible teaches us in James 4, 7. It's such a short scripture, but such a powerful one. Therefore, submit to God. Everybody says, submit to God. That's the first key. What does that mean? His ways, his word, his desire, his purpose. I submit to him. Why? Because when the enemy comes, he will try and attack you. It says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. In other words, when he attacks you, and the place he will attack you so many times will be in the mind. Yes, he will attack you through other people and all kinds of things, but actually the entire attack ends up right up here. And what he's saying is, is when that attack comes, just resist it. Just stand against it. And when you stand against it, after having submitted yourself first to God, in other words, this thing that's coming at me is contrary to the word of God, so I resist it, and you have the authority of the word behind you, and you resist it, it will, without any doubt, flee from your life. It will leave. Now, I have taught you before, I taught one not too long ago about the fact that the enemy will always try and come back. So don't think that you haven't had victory when he comes back. No, the Bible says that he will go and look for, for dry place. He'll go to dry places, not find rest. He will come back. And he'll find you swept good and clean. And when he comes back, what should you do? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's how it works. Is that okay? Now, let's go on. Let's go to Ephesians 6, verse number 10. 
You see, the enemy is very, very crafty, sneaky. He knows how to attack us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So when you put the full armor of God on, you will be able to stand. The full armor of God is putting Christ on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet, the shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. This all represents putting Christ on, putting on the different elements that he has done for you. He's, put, he's given you faith. He's given you a shield. He's, he's given you a breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth. So you stand in the truth. You stand in nothing else. The preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation. You can stand knowing who you are, clothed in the full armor of God. You can stand. Stand against what? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. Stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles is not some kind of yo-yo. The wiles literally means in the Greek schemes or craftiness. In other words, the enemy is scheming against you. He's a, he has a crafty way of attacking you because he knows what affected you when you were a child. He knows what will push your buttons. He knows exactly what to press because he knows that that's the area where he'll get you to sin or he'll get you to fall. And then what he wants to do is once he's got you in that place, he wants to bind you up with condemnation so that you won't stand up and continue to fight the good fight of faith. That's why so many Christians backslide. It starts where the enemy gets them in one place, offense, sin, anything that he does. And then what happens is that condemnation comes and slowly but surely, it's a slow fade. So now that we understand that there are these schemes that come from the enemy and we're thinking to ourselves, man, you know, how does this work? Because the reality is if we make it simple, all these schemes and attacks generally come in the form of a person. Someone came to you and pressed that button. Someone spoke evil of you to press that button. Something happened or you saw something or you got tempted to do something, but generally it comes from a person or something like that. You think it's your computer that caused you to sin. Uh -uh. There's something else going on. He tells us in verse number 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So he's telling you right out that the battle is not against an individual, a person. Even if the person's coming against you, recognize where the attack, the craftiness, the cunningness is coming from. It's coming from the enemy. And he tells us plainly, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's telling us that there are forces of darkness set up at different levels that you will be dealing with that will be coming against you. And the word wrestle is important because it's the word pale in the Greek. And the palestra in the Greek was a, was a place, in ancient Greece, was a place where the soldiers, where the, where the warriors would go, these like gladiator type characters. And they would fight practically to the death 
which tells us that Paul wants you to understand that this battle that you're in is one that will go on until you have gone on to be with the Lord. But while you are serving God, you are a threat to him, the enemy. You are a threat to him because if you find out that God fills you with light and wants to use you and actually take ground for the kingdom of God, it affects what the enemy's plans are. The biggest threat to Satan are Christians that believe God's word. They are so dangerous. They are so dangerous. They find it, they read it, they go, oh my goodness, this is the truth. It becomes rhema and it becomes a living word inside of them. And then when they go out, that, that word just, it just comes out of them and affects the lives of others. There's a wrestle that's against this enemy, that the enemy, and he wants to destroy you. You see, in 2 Corinthians 12, this is where it really teaches us about the warfare that we're in and the primary space for the battle. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number three, for though we walk in the flesh, so he's saying, listen, we walk in this body. We do not war according to the flesh. You are either in the war or you aren't. Because you must understand that the attack will come to your mind. The attack will come from the enemy and you have two choices to either surrender to that or resist and get in the battle. And there are some things that you have to do and he's gonna show us that in just a moment. Yes, Jesus has done it all to empower you to do what he's called you to do. Is that okay? Now watch. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And he's about to tell us the purpose of those weapons. For pulling down strongholds. The enemy desires to set up strongholds in you. Because if he can set up a stronghold in you, he has a place to operate through you. That's why you'll think to yourself, yeah, you know, I saw that brother and he's raising his hands in church two weeks ago and he was so on fire for God. And then a week later, he's on the corner cursing and swearing and carrying on like a madman. Why? There's a stronghold. That stronghold must be broken. In fact, the Bible tells us that that stronghold must be pulled down. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortress or a prison. That's what the Greek word means, fortress or prison. In other words, the house belongs to you. If you have a house and you want to let someone come and stay in your house, they come and they get a key for the bedroom in your house. When they come and live in that bedroom, you've given them key, you've given them access. That room is where they stay. Do they own the house? No, the house belongs to you. But they have access to the house because they have access to the room. So when they're in the room, which belongs to them now because they've, you've given them the right to stay there, they're doing their thing in the room, but they'll come out and start to move around the house a little bit and begin to affect the house. That's how the enemy operates with us when we allow him, when we become a slave to something in our lives, whether it be what we say or what we do. Those are the two areas where he will attack you. 
Is this, are you getting this, guys? All right, I'm trying to keep it really basic so that it's easy to understand. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now watch, he's gonna tell us. Casting down arguments. What kind of arguments? Anything that's contrary to God's word. Well, you know, when you start arguing, well, you know, does the Bible really mean that? You know, I don't know if the answer, I'm not sure about that. I think I should maybe. That's an argument. Okay? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. This is really powerful because basically what it's saying is, is you're bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. John said it like this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through Him. He is the Word. So if it's bringing it to the obedience of Christ, it's bringing it to the obedience of His Word. That's what it means. But there's also one word there that's powerful in the Greek. It's the word high thing, casting down arguments and every high thing. That word is used in one other place in, in the book of Romans, Romans 8:38. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10, verse number five. Casting down arguments and every high thing. Only used two times. And the word there can mean height. It can mean, listen to this, the world above. It can mean arrogance, and I believe it means all of these things. And it can also mean a supernatural power. A supernatural power. So casting down arguments and every high thing, whether it, be, whether it be arrogance, whether it be height, whether it be a supernatural power, everything must submit itself to the obedience of Christ or to the obedience of his word. Amen. Amen. Now, the problem with us is that we don't know how to get in the war. We don't know how to battle. Matthew 28 verse 18 says this, Jesus came and spoke to them again saying, all authority, everyone say all authority, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. That's the Great Commission. It's a very famous passage of scripture. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and now he commissions them. So he's saying, listen, all authority I have. Now I want you to go out. And I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. In the book of Mark, there's more description to the mandate. Should we go read it? He says in Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And then he says this, 
And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and they, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Listen, he's telling us, he's teaching us that, listen, all authority has been given unto me. Now I'm going to give this authority to you because I want you to go out, and I want you to deal with the enemy. Because while I was on the earth, I did it. But now I'm giving that authority to you so that you can go out and do the same thing. That's what it says. Can somebody give the Lord a clap? The truth is we have authority over the enemy. He can only operate in you where you give him authority, strongholds, vain imaginations and arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. That's why Paul says, I wish that you would know him. Because if you know him, every thought that comes, you will take captive and go, oh, that's not right, off with you. Matthew 10, verse number one. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and all kinds of diseases. The word cast out in the Greek means to drive out, to remove, to expel. That's what it means. Now, Well, you know, Pastor Alex, you know, the, you know the, the church, you know, we shouldn't engage the devil. You know, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't do that, you know. Oh, because, you know, the devil is so powerful. You know, what if he, like, what if I mess with him, isn't he going to mess with me? He's messing with you already, man. He's messing with you all the time. I'll spend one day with you, I'll tell you all the times he messed with you. Just one day. So why do you not get in the wrestle? Cast out, drive out. Listen, that doesn't mean, oh, devil, oh, will you please go? <laughs> you know, you don't really, I don't want to be mean, but you know, I don't think you belong here. No, the Bible says you must cast them out. You must drive them out. You must take authority over them. And it starts in your own life. Listen, when he tells us to pull down strongholds, he's talking about you doing it in your own life. Yes, someone with authority can take authority over a demonic spirit in your life, but you can actually do it in your own life. You can cast every demon out, every spirit of fear, every spirit of depression, every spirit of suicide. You can take authority over those things and command them to go. When that thought comes in your mind, oh, you know, maybe you should just kill yourself. Maybe you should just end your life. You can say, devil, that is contrary to the word of God. I know who you are. I recognize you. I take authority over you in the mighty name of Jesus. Get out of my house. Get out of here. And the great news is that the Bible tells us that if we do that, the enemy will go. You see, what we need 
is we need his power. Because with his power, how many of you know that that power is like limitless? It's the most incredible thing. God's power, there is no power like God's power. Luke 9 verse number one says, then he called his 12 together, now watch, and gave them power and authority over all. Everybody say all. I want you to say it again. All All who? Oh, but you better watch out for that demon, you know. You can handle those ones, but not that one there, because that one there, oh, you know. No, my Bible says all. So don't tell me that I can't pray against spirits in my city that want to bring death and destruction in my city. Don't tell me that I can't come against spirits that want to bring dissension, division, and death to America. I will pray and we'll get in agreement and we will stand and come against every force of darkness that desires to come against our nation in the mighty name of Jesus. One will set a thousand to flight and two ten thousand and so it goes on and on and on. All God is looking for is a people that will say, yes, Lord, I can see what you say in your word. You said that you would prepare a bride without spot and wrinkle. That bride must take authority over everything that is preventing you from coming back. Have a seat. Let me tell you something. There is a generation that will usher in the coming of the Lord. There is a generation that will usher it in. What do you think Satan wants to stop from happening? What do you think he wants to do? That's why God says without faith it is impossible to please him. Because if we don't believe what his word is truth, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But there is a generation that God is raising up right now. A generation with fire in their eyes, with a lamp inside their bodies, that desire to walk as he walked, that desire. Note the emphasis Desire. We don't always get it right, but it's our desire. It's our desire to serve and please and walk with Him. It's our desire. And once the church rises up and begins to take hold of what God said He would do, that day will come. Oh, and I can't wait. Oh, you know, no, it's terrible, no. No, yes, I can't wait. Listen. If he doesn't come while I'm here, any day I could lose one of my loved ones. But if he comes now, we can all take hands and say, we're ready, Lord. No, but we want to stay here rather with the filth of this world. Oh, you know, well, you know, well, what do we, my, 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 my daughter must still have a child. Yes, I want all of that for her if we hear. But I promise you, the other side is far better. Far better for her, far better for me, far better for my children, far better for you, far better for your family. Hallelujah. When someone passes on, we suffer loss. I want the Lord to come quickly. I'm ready. But while I'm here, let's do some, let's do some, 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 let's do what we are called to do. Let's take authority over the enemy. He gave us both power and authority. Power and authority. Dunamis and exousia. Two Greek words that are so powerful. 
power, the word dynamis, and the word exousia, which means basically the right to use that power, the authority to use that power. It has been given to you. It's like the Lord Jesus Christ has signed an, 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 a, 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 what do you call it, of authority? What is that form? A power of attorney. He signs a power of attorney. He gives it to you. He says, you can operate on my behalf on the earth. That's what that means, the word exousia. He has given that authority to you as a believer. Oh, but no, no, we must be afraid of everything. No, man, come on. It's time for us to walk in victory. I'm telling you all of this because all of you are thinking about all of this stuff, but really the bottom line and just the starting point is if we really get it, there is no sin. There is no thing that can hold you back. There is no place that you have to remain in because the truth is that his authority is over that authority and that authority has been given to you as a believer. Amen? He says in Luke 10, verse 19, I'm almost done. Behold, I give you authority. Oh, I love that word, authority. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. God in Christ has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That means bad dreams are illegal. That means fear when you go to bed at night is illegal. That means depression in your life is illegal. That means that thoughts of evil, suicide, all that stuff, illegal in your life. There are spirits that come against you. Don't start arguing with me. Don't start arguing. Don't say, oh, well, you know, or well, you know. Don't say, oh, well, you know. Come on, man. Take authority over it. Just try it. Maybe you'll get a surprise. Let's go back to Ephesians 1 verse 15. Now watch this. Remember, we'll read it again. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Stop here. You see, he's just told us when we seek the Lord, when we begin to seek God, when he begins to reveal himself to us, he will begin to reveal ourselves to us and also show us what is the secrets of the inheritance of the saints. He will even be able to give you the ability to help others, okay? And there's a lot more to it, but that's just a part of it. Is that okay? Then he says, and he's also, there's more. So once you begin to know who you are, once you begin to realize that, listen, God has actually called me, God has actually a plan for me, and I actually do have authority over the enemy in my life. 
Now watch what he says. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us? What power? I'm so glad you're asking. Towards us who believe. So this is for believers. According to the working of his mighty power. So this power is really mighty power. What power is this? This is the power in verse number 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that is working towards you and I. Listen, the day will come where you will also be taken up out of the grave. You will also rise again. That power is working towards you. He's not here now. His spirit is, but it works in you. That that he did while he was on the earth is working towards you all the time. What power? The power of resurrection. Resurrection power is working on the inside of you all the time. This power is mighty power. This power is, 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 is power that's like unlimited. It's an unbelievable amount of power that God releases to us as we need whatever he needs us to do. Is that okay? Ultimately, to the point where we will rise like he rose. That's the final stage. And then he says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So now he's sitting right next to the Father. <sighs> Risen. His same flesh is there in heaven, sitting next to the Father. Glorified, but it's the same. There's, there ain't no bones on this planet, brother. You won't find them. Jesus' bones are still in heaven. But they're not, he's not just seated there. There's something taking place. It says far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Listen, he is the rank supreme power. Jesus Christ sits right next to the Father and he is placed far above Every force, every kind of spirit, principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, no matter what it is, he is above them all. Watch this now. Far above them all. Next verse, please. And he put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet. And he gave him to be head over all things to the church. That means that we are his body. He is the head. Have you ever seen a head without a body? In order for the head to do its will, it needs the body to operate. All the authority has been placed under his feet, but we are his body doing his work on the earth. And we have authority in the name of Jesus over every force that comes against you. That's why the Bible says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But you have to submit to him. 
you have to make that decision that you've had enough of the enemy, that you've had enough of the bondage, that you've had enough. Listen, every one of us has to control our tongue. It's the, probably the wickedest part in us. I would love to stand here and say I've never said anything bad about anyone, but I'd be lying. But I so desperately don't want to do it. Because I know with the same lips that I bless, how can I curse anybody that the Lord loves? How can I speak evil of anyone that he loves? We do come short, but it's, we must never get to the place, oh, well, you know, everybody does it, so, you know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. This message is so important for you. Because you need to know that you have been given authority. You are not called to be defeated. You are called to defeat. Jesus came preaching the gospel of his kingdom. And that kingdom has been left. What he has brought, what he's brought here, the authority part, the dominion part, has been given now to his church, to you and I. So we must start to overcome in our own lives. And then allow it so that we can also minister to others. Amen. Amen. Don't look so nervous. Amen. So why do we stay? Why do we become a slave to things? And let it totally affect our walk with God. Why do we do it? Tonight, I'm going to continue on the same thing. I'm going to show you something, how the Lord desires for each and every one of us to be completely free. But now you know that we have authority. So there ain't no place for the enemy. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.